Good morning. Good morning, medics. <laughs> it's Charles here with Georgia's 2 VMS doing some EMS underground. And uh, hey, I know we took off last week because it's 4th of July week. Building up to it, the school was closed and uh, all of that stuff. Why is it saying live 000? It should be live running right now. So let me just double check it. Uh, Real quick here, make sure I can see that everything is good. Yes, yeah, that's two viewers. I don't know why it's not giving me a account on this. Yep, everything's good there. Okay, so I got this email a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago from uh, Carrie, who listens and watches and, and all that stuff. And and she has some questions uh, for the podcast. It says, uh, AMRs giving EMTs and medics an opportunity to buy body armor. Does that mean they're going to have to go into unsafe situations? If that's the case, why not arm the staff? What about staged calls when officers don't clear the scene? Finally, untrained new police officers, do they have enough training to make EMTs and medics feel safe doing their job? And how are stations handling this along with COVID? Okay, it's a lot of questions. What's up, Nathan? Good morning, man. It's a lot of questions here. So let's start with the AMR is uh, giving EMTs and medics an opportunity to buy body armor. Does that mean they're going to have to go into unsafe situations? No. No, it does not. So uh, we talked about this a little bit when everything started. And let me just preface this for the podcast part of this. Let me preface uh, that this is one of the um, toughest times in, in modern history in Atlanta right now. I'm not going to say in all of Atlanta, you know, all of history, because there's been some really tough times. But in in last two or three generations, maybe, I don't I don't know. In my lifetime, this is we have the National Guard rolling out into Atlanta right now because of of riots and because of, of looting and shooting and killings and and things are bad. It's not because of protests and it's not because of COVID. It's because there's an element of people who are taking advantage of the situation and there's some other idiots out there who are screwing over our safety. So there's there's some rough things going on in atlanta right now i know over this past weekend coming into this week of this recording uh there were 30 shootings in atlanta with five deaths one of them according to the stories and i always say that because i don't trust anything that's told to me if i don't get on scene investigate it myself or if i don't talk to somebody i know personally who is at whatever there is quotey fingers whatever uh, uh the event is uh, I don't trust the reporting on it because everybody has their own story to spin. Everybody lies. I learned that from House House MD on, on you know the the CBS show, Fox show, whatever. I think it's Fox TV show, the fictional show. But he's right. Everybody lies, whether you mean to or not. So I say, you know, supposedly, you know, the, these adults were turning in this parking lot, and I kind of believe it. But these adults were turning into this lot to go home. I don't know why you're trying to turn into a lot going through an illegally placed barricade. But the the reporting is that presumably thugs presumably people who 
have zero reason to be there. Definitely have zero reason to carry guns and shoot people. Just opened fire in the car, killing an eight-year-old, I think she was, six-year-old. Uh, it's a young child, right? Uh, and that was, she was one of the five that were dead over the weekend. Uh, like I said, 30, shoot, 30 people shot. So that has me, definitely has me thinking about this, about unsafe situations with EMS, unsafe situations to live in, period. Um, there's lots of bad things going on in the world right now, and it's just getting louder and worse. And I said this on my Facebook page, and we'll put it here, and we'll leave it here, and we'll move on to the questions. If nobody's listening to each other, prepare for war. And that's what we're getting right now is war, because so many people are just yelling and screaming on all sides of things, at all different angles, and nobody's listening to each other. Nobody's wanting to talk. Everybody's just wanting to yell and scream. We're starting to see the beginnings of a war. And it's not just Atlanta, it's in other cities. With the, the blue line, the blue flu, the sick outs in the police department, and the quitting. And I, I'm going record to say, if I was a police officer in Atlanta, I would have quit too. The moment that justice was not served with the Wendy's incident. Now, I'm not saying the police officer is right or wrong. I'm saying nothing was investigated. You can't charge somebody with manslaughter or murder or whatever he was charged with within 24 hours without doing full research and without getting full statements. I mean, you just, it was a rush to signal virtue and that was a horrible move and you're getting what you deserve, DA, in Atlanta with the sick outs and the quittings. And I would have quit immediately. No, I mean, again, I haven't watched the video. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get caught up in all that crap. But I am going to say, you got to take your time. You've got to make sure you have a case. You've got to make sure actual wrongdoing was done before you charge anyone with serious charges, like manslaughter or murder or whatever this officer was charged with. Anyway, so that's that. That's my statement there. So unsafe scenes. There's going to be a lot of those going on. Does AMR giving EMTs and medics opportunity to buy armor mean that they have to go? No, no, it's just them looking out for you. To give you a better opportunity to feel more safe. When I worked a long time ago, I worked at at a uh, not AMR, sorry, Atlanta, um, Athens, Athens Regional is what it was called there. It's probably Piedmont Athens now, and actually it's National EMS running the EMS there. But it was Athens Regional EMS at the time, separate from St. Mary's. It was two different EMS services running the the territory there. And uh, man, now this is real stuff happening today. There are real threats and dangers happening today. But there was so much, this is the beginning of the internet. There was so much fraud going on and so many bulletins that ended up being fake. People just panicked. And fear fear is not just a mind killer, as it was said in Dune by Frank Herbert. Fear is a killer of people. And that's what we're seeing happen a lot now, right now, too, is, is nobody wants to listen. Everybody's afraid. And you need to get rid of fear and start talking and listening. But we'd get memos. These were faxed over, right? This is email was even early on starting. But so we get faxes of these bulletins. Oh, this thing happened in California where a cars are driving down the road at night with no lights on. If you flash them, they turn around, they kill you because it's a gang initiation. Not true. There's a site that came out later called Snopes that everybody needs to have bookmarked, S-N-O-P-E-S, and they do their research on what is true and what is not, and can they prove it? Can they factually back it up? Can they find anything that leads to whatever the, the oh, my God, headlines and oh, my God, myths that go on out there? 
So Snopes was not a thing then. And so we get bulletins. And they, I remember you come into work and you look at this bulletin board of all these official announcements of, oh, don't flash cars with your lies, they'll kill you. Oh, don't do this, they'll kill you. Oh, no. And it wasn't true. Or if it was true, it happened maybe one time. It wasn't a thing. So out of panic, Athens Regional actually paid for us to have uh, armored vests. And they sent us over to get, if we wanted them. And and uh, I remember going and getting, a lot of us went and got fitted and whatever. Because honestly, I thought it was kind of cool. I didn't know they were going to be so heavy and so freaking hot. I thought it was kind of nifty. But hey, I was kind of wanted to see what it was like to be a cop. Let me go get an armor <laughs> and a bulletproof vest. And uh, no, that thing is heavy and hot. And I, I didn't like it. Uh, I don't know what they did with it. Because when we parted ways, they kept it. So, you know, if you got a, a giant who needs to work who needs a vest maybe contact Athens regional see if they still have it in their in their inventory hey mike uh, good morning so just because you have protection does not mean you you have to be stupid or you have to obey stupid commands or orders nobody and i don't believe amr is nobody should be sending you into any kind of unsafe situations right it's just not there's no such thing as safety in this world let's be real there's no real safety in this world you could be at home in an armored bunker and have a heart attack even though you're healthy right you can you can you can trip and fall. watch watch final destination the whole series there's like five of them one, it, as a medic's point of view, it's kind of interesting slash hilarious of the different ways that people can die. And, and the, the whole idea is death is chasing people. Um, but it, it's, it, it just shows there's no safety because the crazy ideas these people came up with, the writers of that movie, of how people could die is just, it's, it's, some of it is physically, real-world physics-based. It could happen. Some of it is actually really silly. But it's like, no, there's no such thing as safety. So any situation we go into, right? And the cops have cleared it. And uh, uh, we've been told seeing the safe. Is it really? Then my answer is always going to be no. It's not. Does that mean we don't go in? No. We always take on some degree of unsafe situations to go in. We always take in some degree of danger and everything that we do in this field. And we teach, uh, uh, our teaching has changed over the last couple of years at Georgia Institute of EMS, and we've swapped to the Brady book. But I know in the new Brady book, we really hammer home, even after police have cleared a scene, your head still needs to be on a swivel because everybody, every human being gets complacent. They get laid back. And so they'll sit there and, okay, we checked everything, we're good. Well, that doesn't mean somebody didn't come back around. That didn't mean... You know, you as a police officer, you were looking for a shooter or for somebody to be violent. You weren't looking for a rickety tree to fall over or, you know, a car that was unsafe or maybe a bomb that was hidden. I mean, that happened with Eric Rudolph and the abortion clinic bombings. You know, a bomb would go off, everybody would respond, and the second bomb would go off. And that's when we started looking for a second device. What about a third one? I mean, there's, it's, there's no such thing as true safety i believe in this world so you're not going to go into unsafe situations but that bulletproof vest just hopefully gives you a better peace of mind and an extra layer of safety because here's the thing with looting and rioting here's the thing with mass 
fear. And that's what I'm focusing on right now. Absolutely. That's the reason why MR is offering for the opportunity to buy bulletproof vests. Is there mass groups of fear? Yeah, I was in Chicago. I, let me let me put a pin in that. I'll come back to that. This is an illustration. I was in Chicago four years ago, three or four years ago, uh, for a conference, for a, a podcast digital media conference. And I remember sitting in the bar after the first day with some friends, and I'm looking up at the news that they had, and, and they wouldn't turn the news off because there was basically a gang war going on in Chicago. And... um I mean, it was, it was, it was bad and I'm watching it and I'm asking the bartender and I'm Googling streets, you know, according to where we are, we were in a fairly safe upscale, rich part of town. We were, I mean, that's where conferences are. They're in the nice parts of town with the high end hotels and lots of police coverage. And unfortunately these shootings were not, I mean, fortunate for me, they weren't there, but I'm saying there is an imbalance to the world of violence typically stays in the lower end crappier parts of town until it doesn't and i mean they the, the we were all watching the tvs i mean it wasn't like riveting and oh my god we got in back of my mind it's like do we need to leave do i need to make sure that i'm safe instead of just doing this conference thing and my point is i mean i'm talking about where they, they there was some kind of uh, protest going on and then literally gang members would come in and start shooting at people and then they spread out and they were doing military type tactics where the police were responding standard of covering behind their cars and the, the the gangbangers or whatever they were were coming around behind them and i was like this is not good and but as soon as the gunshot goes off that entire crowd that started off peaceful becomes a riding stampede my writing i mean they run they do not care they only care for one thing and that's their survival that's the fight or flight thing right so that's a thing in mass groups of people, period. Another side story to illustrate the point, and I'm going to go back to the mass fear in Atlanta right now. Uh, I was at Disney World when I was a kid, like 1987, and Epcot had just opened, so there's lots of crowds. And we're, I remember standing with my parents to um, go into some building, and, and Disney lines are long anyway, right? And we're standing there, standing there, and it starts to rain. Now it's Florida. If anybody's ever been to Florida, you know, sunshine's over here, rain's over here. And rain, during the summertime, and rain almost always comes through. And all of a sudden, this crowd of people where actually the rain kind of feels good because it's cooling you off, they bolt for these emergency exit doors. And, and I don't know if, if a Disney person opened it or whatever, but they open, and it's just this mass movement of people. And I got separated from my parents, and my mom freaked out. No, I was safe. I was fine. I just moved with the crowd. I went, okay, I know what's going on, but let's go in here. And we got in, and then finally my parents found me, and my mom was freaked out because in those moments, you fall, and it's just rain. It's just rain. And these people did that. And I mean, these people being all ethnicities of the world. I mean, quite literally, if you've ever been to Disney, you know it's multinational people there i mean they come from all over the world to go to disney world and disneyland and all that other stuff so um they didn't care they cared oh i'm getting wet and they just cared about moving forward and that's not even fear that's just stupidity so you add real fear to the mix you add anger you add all this stuff going on that stuff moves very quickly is my whole point coming back to what's going on in atlanta so even if you're in a staged area you're waiting blocks 
away from where this protest is going on or where this violence or whatever's happening is going on. It does not take that long for stuff to move. And you're not monitoring the police radios. You can't because, I mean, you can't monitor everything. It's so much radio traffic going on, right? What channel do you have to be on? Can you catch? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. But that doesn't mean every, every human being on the ground who is on your radio is going to be able to know, oh, crap, they're moving down this street. Oh, they're moving over here. They're moving over there. So all of a sudden, when you think you're in a safe area, it becomes unsafe. That bulletproof vest just gives you an extra layer of safety and protection. You know, let's say the, the police officers bring somebody to you and you're working them and you get your back, to, as you will, you get your face turned towards the patient, you get your back turned towards the world. And all of a sudden, for you didn't see it coming, but shots ring out. You get hit. You got protection. That's what that's for. It's not to go into unsafe situations specifically. No, you should not, as an EMS personnel or as an ambulance personnel, where we are here for the medical safety of our community, you're never to be in in the middle of a protest. You're never to be near violent. And, and I'm separating the two. When I say protest, that is specifically the lawful and legal authorized protests and marches, the gatherings of people for whatever reason that they're protesting. And then when I say the violence, I'm separating the two. I want to be very clear about that. You're never, but the protests, see, here's the thing. Protests are peaceful, right? But if you're in the middle of it, it takes one idiot to start some things, and then it becomes unpeaceful. Some people get violent. Most people run, and now you're caught in the middle of it. It's like what, when you work a concert. I don't know if you've ever worked a concert. I've never personally worked a concert, but I've watched the medics and the police and how they work concerts, especially at, it used to be called Lakewood Amphitheater. Uh, I don't know what amphitheater, who owns it now or whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I've watched how they work the crowds. They're not in the middle of the throng. They are literally, there's clear paths that have to stay clear. And they walk through those paths and they stay out in safe areas and wait to be called to come over here. And then they go in mass groups to find exactly where they need to be. And they go with authority, meaning that there's about six police officers or security guards and two medics, two or three medics. And the medics are there to help whatever medical is going on, and they stay protected and they stay back. So they're never in the middle of the crowd. Because, you know, if you've ever been to Lakewood Amphitheater, if you're listening to this and you're not in Georgia, it's a big, open concert venue. There's a small part that is actually covered, and then there's a big, cheaper, much larger, cheaper spot that's all lawn. It's called the lawn. And it's this big area that holds, I'm guessing, a 1,000 people on it. Maybe not that many, but it holds a lot of people. And rain or shine. Right, I've been to concerts in the rain there. But all it takes is one lightning strike nearby and people are going to freak out. You don't want to be in the middle of that. So, no, you're not going to unsafe situations. Now, the next question, if that's the case, talking about AMR, are we going to have to go into unsafe situations? If that's the case, why not arm the staff? You should know how I feel about that because you're an idiot. Not because you're an idiot, because anybody who wants to arm EMS staff and put them in unsafe situations is an idiot and a fool and it takes us away from our job our job is to deal with the medicine if you're worried about getting hurt you're in an unsafe situation don't be there if you're if you can get in and get out that's fine if you're getting in and getting out why do you have a gun because all you're going to be thinking about is that gun and now you're not worrying about that patient you're about who you're going to shoot you're worrying about who you're going to shoot you're worrying more about your safety and how you have to pull that gun no no 
my whole stance will always be no you do not arm ems you do not arm firefighters if we can't not if we cannot go in being safe without guns we don't go in if you need the gun to go in join the national guard join the military join the police force and that's the thing even without the issues going on today and there are many issues and there are some wrongs that need to be righted there's some change that has needed to be fixed in in law enforcement and how we do things in this world for a long time there needs to be more education but here's the thing with with guns and the police they don't just get to pull them out willy-nilly and start shooting up places they don't they don't guns don't make you safer they make you more dangerous you know how many how many police officers died in the line of duty? A lot of them. So just having extra training and a gun didn't keep them alive. But police officers, when it comes down to needing a, a firearm of any kind, police officers' focus is outward to protect us. With guns out, putting themselves as shields between the bullets and us. We are behind them taking care of whatever we have to take care of. That's a generic image, but that's the statement, right? That's that's the picture I'm trying to paint. If we have guns too, we're shooting through our wall of protection. What if you lose that protection? Get out! That is the safest thing to do. You know how police officers survive a gun shooting or a, um, what am I trying to say? A gunfight? They hide and they run. Sometimes they outshoot the other person. Man, I'd love to briefly talk to to somebody like Norm who works for our school, who was in the military. I think it was in Afghanistan. I'm not sure where he was, but he was stationed and saw action and 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 had to use his firearms, you know, in live in live situations. And I would like to know what's safer, pulling back. Or having to outshoot the other person, and then and then this is that everything else was just generic. This was directed directly to Carrie with that question: Why uh, why not arm the staff, Carrie? You got into this field because you want to help people. How are you going to feel if you shoot the wrong person? The, going going to the story I told earlier. That's a true story about. The little girl who died in Atlanta this weekend. What if it wasn't thugs that killed her? I mean, I, do you think these gangbangers drew down on the little girl? Or do you think they thought, I'm going to shoot the person driving who's, who's pushing my authority, and I'm going to show them? They just shot things up. They didn't kill the two adults in the car. They killed the little girl. Now, whether they live with that or not, I don't know how they live with that, but... That they let's paint them in the picture of they don't care. They are going to take over this city and they're going to kill whoever they want. That's not you. That's not you. That's not any of us who put on the EMS shield. Hey, Carrie, uh, you're here live, so you can hear me. So I'm talking to you specifically, Carrie. You got into this field. I don't know when you jumped in, so I'll repeat it real quick. You got in this field to help people, and no, that situation is horrible. What happens when you feel unsafe? and you start firing back as an EMT, 
not doing your job because your job is to take care of the patients first your job is to take care of yourself so you shouldn't be there whatever the unsafe situation is your job should be to run because that's the safest thing but what happens if you fire back and for whatever reason you kill you, whether he had a gun or not you kill a 12 year old because he had a uh, he was firing a gun how are you going to feel about that you're going to feel horrible you're going to feel devastated you might take your own life that has happened that has happened way too much in our field especially with police officers when they draw down on somebody that thought they thought truly they had a threat for their own life and they killed them turns out it was a toy gun they commit suicide a lot they draw down on somebody who has a real gun but still is a 14 15 year old if they're not callous jaded hard people there are police officers who kill themselves because of that. And it is a justified shooting because the 15-year-old's drawn down on them. But it's still a kid. And they can't handle that. You know? So I don't think EMS should be armed. We get into this field to take care of the medicine of the society that we're in, of the, the public that we're in. I want somebody else's job to be focused outward between me and the bullets with the gun. You know, if I if I think I'm gonna get shot at, I'm out. I I've told I've told this in lectures, I've told this in class, I've recorded it many times. I do not care. If somebody starts shooting something up, I'm out. If somebody actually threatens violence, you have know, told the story once, or actually I've told it many, many, many times about going to their deer camp and the all white people there, and I'm white and my partner's white, so I'm just clarifying no race issues here at all they didn't appreciate how I was handling the situation when I'm trying to save their friend's life, truly trying to save their friend's life. And they start moving towards their rifles and the two cops, well, there's a cop and then a, a air force personnel who was off duty cousin, whatever, both had fires. The two people on my side that had firearms went for their guns. I told my partner, grab them, throw them on the stretcher. If we hear this escalate, leave the stretcher, run for the truck. We're out. I would have left that fool to die because his friends are stupid. It de-escalated because of the police officers, but I was out and I will leave that patient to die. I, I don't care. I'm not getting shot because your friends are stupid. All right. So other questions, stage calls when officers don't clear the scene. How, okay. Now, how would you know? That's the question. If dispatch comes back and says the officers have cleared the scene, they've reported that they've cleared the scene. If they did a bad job, Okay, I'll, I'll just jump to the end of this answer. If you get there, uh, I'm hitting puberty today. I'm sorry. Uh, if you hit, if you get to the scene and you don't feel like the cops have really cleared it, or there's any indication that they haven't, you tell this, no, they have not cleared the scene. I'm out, and you get out. Preferably, you get out, and then you tell dispatch, no, they didn't. This is not a safe scene. We're out of here. We're not doing this. So that's the only really way you're going to know is if you show up to a scene that has obviously not been cleared or it was cleared and things changed. See, that's that I'm going to specifically talk about the crap going on in Atlanta right now. That's the problem with rioting and looting is in one minute, the cops can go through and you can watch the videos are all over Facebook, YouTube, any site you want to go and find the videos you'll find where where looting and rioting is being cleared violently or peacefully. It doesn't matter. But they're mo the cops are moving forward. People can circle back around. There's not a, a, a force field keeping them out. So it can easily be the mass of the force, 
let's call it the National Guard in this case because they're in Atlanta now. The National Guard moves forward and clears out this major area, and maybe one or two police officers are left behind for these injured people, and you show up, and all of a sudden, or by, right before you show up, all of a sudden more people are coming in, it becomes unsafe. You get out. So it can, ha- it can have been cleared, and then it changes, or it can have not been cleared. Either way, my ultimate answer is run. Dun, 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 dun. That's the TikTok sound. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, finally, untrained new police officers. Do they have enough training to make EMTs and medics feel safe doing their job? <laughs> that's, man, that's part of the problem today, right? That as part of the things, in my opinion, that needs to be fixed in this whole situation on the police side of things. Is there enough training? Should we allow 18-year-olds to go to the academy? My my stance is no. No, we should not. I think, I think, here, I call it the Grady method. Now, this is the Grady method from when I was first getting into EMS. You're talking about 20-plus years ago. When I got into the field of EMS, and I'm going to come back to the police officer training thing, okay? When I got into the field of EMS, we were saturated with medics. The Georgia, at that point, this is in the late 90s. 97 is when I finally, when I first got my EMT numbers. And 2000 is when I got my medic. But 90, from 97 to 2000, uh, 2001, sorry, 2001 is when I got my medic. Uh, from that, in that period of time, we were somewhat saturated with medics. And you went into Atlanta to get paid well if you're a paramedic. And at Grady at the time, and I thought this was a great standard. And life has changed so much, we can't hold this standard anymore. But Grady at the time had a two-year minimum standard of being a paramedic before you could be hired there. You could apply all day long. They were just going to throw it in the trash. They wanted you to be a two-year medic. I can't even remember if it's in a high-volume call volume or anything like that. It was you had to be a two-year medic. They were running double medic trucks at Grady. Now, were they all double medic? No. Did they have some EMTs? Yes. You know, there was definitely levels at Grady, but the standard was, if you wanted to be hired, they were paying the best. They had the best insurance. And this is before Red Dog used them. Red Dog being the uh, uh, gang uh, fighting unit of, of APD, or it was. And at one point, they Grady let them use one of their ambulances to go into a bad neighborhood and do a raid. And then that changed the EMS world for a long time. Uh, but this is before that even happened. And and uh, But it was like, no, you, you, you it was safe to work at Grady. You didn't need bulletproof vests. I mean, everybody who lived outside the city thought the city was a war zone. It never was a war zone. It's not even a war zone now. There's just part and part, certain parts of it that are very dangerous to go into right now. There, there's definitely civil unrest and issues going on in, in Atlanta currently. Um, but Grady, you had to have that experience is my point. And so to the police training. I've known a person who went through the academy, and so I'm following her progress, and I'm talking to her, and just like in EMS, there's only so much training you can do before you hit the streets. I want to say my friend did the academy in like three months. That's less than EMT school, and you truly have people's lives on the line because you've got bullets in your gun. You have to go into situations where things are really, really bad. 
I'm watching The Rookie on ABC. Don't know how much is true or not. I know it's a fictional drama. Uh, but what they depict with that is the rookies in the LAPD ride for like a year before they can even think about having their own shift. Ride with a, an FTO. You know, I, I don't know how smaller services do that. I don't know how true that is with LAPD. And they have washouts. They have all kind of stuff. We definitely need more training in police departments, period. We need specialized training on how to deal with fear. We need specialized training on the new world we live in. We need, uh, and by that I mean, we need to, we need, the new world we live in is everybody, everybody thinks they have an opinion. Everybody thinks they have rights that don't effing exist. You can't do that to me. No, actually by law I can and cops definitely take things too far. It's happened to me personally. Was he within his legal rights? Yeah. Was he ethical about it? No. Did that change anything? No. I could either punch the cop and go to jail that night or possibly get shot. Or I could just know my rights. And I, maybe I'll tell that story. Maybe I won't. But know my rights, control my anger, exercise my actual rights with the police officer by asking questions. And then get out and tell the story angrily and, and, and vent my rage later. We need ongoing, I think this should be for EMS too. We need ongoing reassessments of personnel. And by that, I mean, you need to have trained, I don't know, maybe psychologists, maybe psychiatrists, uh, just people specifically trained to recognize behaviors, to see things, to have reevaluations. I, Police officers have to re-up their firearms, what, every year, every two years? I don't know what the, the timing is, but they have to go and get a certain score with their firearms so they can shoot straight. But they don't have to re-up their, their training and, and pass tests on how to talk to people, how to de-escalate situations. Maybe some departments do, but it's not widespread. And the, the cop that killed George Floyd, that was wrong. But I know partially why it happened. Partially what happens is that officer was tired of having his authority challenged and everybody yelling and screaming at him with, with phones in his face. He was staring him down like, I'm going to die on this hill. Well, he didn't die on that hill. George Floyd died on that hill. But his hill in his mind was, I'm the authority here. You will. Hey, let me do the cartman. You respect my authority. We need to educate the public to back down. We need to stop. As a society, as human beings, we need to stop pushing what we want onto other people. Our rights stop at the tip of our nose. Our rights stop at the tip of the other person's nose, however you want to put it. Meaning, I can, I can, I have all kind of human rights and all kind of ability to do what I want, say what I want, and be who I want. But as soon as I start hitting you, as soon as I breach that ground, my rights do not over, you know, overrun your rights. That's my meaning on that. That means when we start overlapping, we have to talk to each other. And that needs to be done more with police officers, with firefighters, with EMS. You know how many medics, how many firefighters I've seen come on a scene and mouth off to family members? Just have bad attitudes? Just, I'm, I'm the king of the world? No, man, you're not. No, woman, you're not. 
those are the checks I'm talking about we have to have in careers. And I'm not even talking about the police right now. I'm talking about just firing EMS. Those are the checks that we need to have that you have to pass psychological evaluations. You have to pass emotional evaluations. You have to Then you have to get help if you can't. There's many times in my career I would not have passed a psych eval where I would have had lots of anger issues. I would have had lots of red flags that says I had the potential to do something horrible to another human being. But if I but if I had failed those tests, there has to be extra training, extra help to set, give you every opportunity to deal with your anger, to deal with the issues that come underneath. Because as human beings, we all have that issue. Let me come back to the question. Untrained new police officers. So, okay, it depends on your definition of new. Within one year, to me, is new. No, they don't, ha- they don't have the training experience to make medics feel safe. That's why they should be surrounded by experienced police officers. If you get on a scene and it's one new untrained, or not untrained, but one new within a year police officer or two new within a year police officers, and you've been in the field for three years, guess what? You're the ranking person on the, on the scene, and you show up. And you still have to do scene safety. Here's here's the ultimate issue with everything going on in our society today. No personal responsibility. Is George Floyd responsible for the actions he took? Yes. Is that officer responsible for the actions he took that led to George Floyd's death? Absolutely. Are the three cops who also got rightly charged, who watched George Floyd die, are they responsible? Yes. Is everybody else responsible for the decisions they make in their life? Yes. Are they taking responsibility? No. No, they're not. I've been to a protest. I wasn't, I'm not going to say protests. I've been to a protest recently. And I watched some people have discussions. And I watched a lot of people take zero responsibility for their own actions. I had a lady tell me, that her daughters today are still fighting with with their societal, cultural, African-American issues of feeling ugly because of slave traders back in 1800-whatever, 1600-whatever, whatever year it was that she quoted, that, that when slaves were brought over, that slave owners told them they're ugly. And I had, everything in me had to stop me from going, are you stupid? Are you stupid? Where is your responsibility for teaching your daughters they're beautiful? That has nothing to do with the slave trade, you moron. That has everything to do with you being a shitty parent. Pastor, because that's what she said she was. Blaming others for what you do is, is, is the fallacy of society today. So when you ask, Carrie, in general, not to you specifically, but in general, when you ask, do new police officers have enough training to make EMTs and medics feel safe? Nobody can make you feel safe. I mean, I've, I've worked with some very fearful medics or EMT, uh, medics in general, right? EMTs, advanced medic, paramedic, right? I've, I've worked with some very fearful medics that I told them flat to their face. If you don't learn how to truly discern between safe and unsafe, you will not make it. And I don't want you on my truck anymore. I, you know, that, that was as students, that was that, or as new hires, or that was as somebody, I was like, man. I don't like, I flat out told somebody, I do not like working around you because all you ever do is, is you're afraid of everything and you make everything more dangerous because of it, because you react out of fear. 
So as EMTs and paramedics, we have to take personal responsibility for our own safety. That's why we hammer in. Seeing safe. Is it safe for you to go in? And yeah, we're going to have varying degrees. I rolled up on a scene. This is in, in rural Georgia where people have sheds and they live in, in double wide trailers and whatever. And we got called for a possible suicide attempt. Well, we didn't know what it was. We got called for something. I, I don't remember what the original call was. And as we're pulling up in the yard, it was a possible suicide attempt. Uh, buy pills or something like that and this guy went to to a barn and my partner freaked out and uh shed or whatever but and he wasn't running there was no red flags there was nothing because i i i definitely do scene safety and i definitely trust my instincts on i don't like what that would just happen there i'm gonna pull back i mean police were maybe a minute away they said you know police are in route they're about a minute out and this guy just walks into his shed. And my partner's like, well, I'm not getting out of the truck. Uh, he went to his shed. I went, well, it's been nice knowing you because he's going to come shoot the ambulance first. And I got out, grabbed the bag, and I went in the house by myself. And it was nothing. The guy went in the shed because he was upset with his daughter for having tried to kill herself. He, he, he was dealing with his issues by removing himself from the situation. How do I know that? Because as I'm on scene for 10, 15 minutes, he comes back into the house and he said as much. But my fearful partner wouldn't even come into the house to do his job when nothing about the scene was unsafe. So those are degrees. Was he wrong? Ultimately, he was proven incorrect. But was he wrong? Maybe not. That's not why I kicked him off my truck. I kicked him off my truck later on for he wouldn't listen to me on education stuff. He was super fearful. He would not run any calls. And that's not something I'm going to tolerate as a medic, period, at all, is you're not a driver. You do not go to school for as long as however you went to school and learned the medicine you learned to be a driver. You will exercise your medical skills around me, period. So when we go into a scene to feel safe, we have to understand what safety is. We have to understand that, yeah, no matter what we do, we are taking a bit of danger on and we're taking that risk and we're choosing to do so. Am I going to rush into an unstable overturned vehicle because I want to be a hero? Oh, no. I watched a medic do that, too. And I stood back with the other two medics and went, yeah, he's going to die. And we stood back and we waited for fire. He did not die, but he, he thought he was a hero. He got fired. <laughs> That's what happened with that one. So you okay you know what i was gonna apologize first i'm not gonna apologize for this i'm just gonna take the stance you can't trust the police you can't trust fire you can't trust your partner you have to trust yourself which means the police come up they say seems safe everything's clear i'm gonna come up and i'm gonna have my head on a swivel and i'm gonna look around for myself am i gonna sweep the whole house no am i gonna take some things as factual yes i'm gonna choose to believe you police officer when you said you've looked at a whole house and everything's safe, am I standing a few feet away from the patient? And even when I'm talking to him, I'm looking down the hallways and watching for danger? Yes. My partner is down on the patient. Am I back away to make sure I can see any danger coming? Yes. On every scene, I do that. So no, new officers don't have the training. Do old officers, do experienced officers have the training? Maybe. 
but you have to take care of yourself. You have to always keep your head on a swivel, always have your partner's back. And maybe you can trust your partner, but ultimately you need to know if your head is down and you're working on a patient, you're inherently unsafe, but that's part of the job. That is what we do. That is what we do. Now, how are station stations handling that along with COVID that I don't know without feedback from other people. I'm not active in the field from the medics. I talked to things are just tense. Things are tough. AMR, nobody, nobody, not even Grady. Nobody I've heard of has sent intentionally sent any medics into an unsafe, a known unsafe situation. Nobody. SWAT teams have medics on them. A lot of police departments have medics on their force. A lot of my friends are dual trained. They're paramedics and they're police officers. You know, and they'll work. They'll pick up a shift here and there on a, on a ambulance. Patrick Carey comes to mind in, in Jasper County. He's, he's a, I think he's a sheriff's deputy in, in Jasper County. If I, if I actually called that, I think that's correct. If I called that wrong, I apologize. Uh, but he's also a trained paramedic. I worked with him as a paramedic for a very long time. Great guy. Uh, but his full-time job is being a police officer and he'll pick up a shift on the ambulance. So you got dual trained people in departments. Well, if they have the blues on being that they're on police duty, their job is to go into unsafe situations to make it safe. If they have the light blues on or whites on, if they're, you know, whatever EMS uniform you use, their job is to stay away from it. So I, I think stations, fire and EMS are not knowingly being sent into unsafe situations. And I have watched the videos where it's some kind of, I don't, this was, I don't believe this is in Atlanta. I believe this was somewhere else, but I have no idea where it was because it's a fuzzy video. It's like TikTok or whatever. So it's less than a minute long. And a fire, uh, a firefighter is putting out a car fire and somebody comes around the scene. Like there's a, there's almost like this circle around them away where people are around. Now this could be any fire. It's not, I mean, it was definitely after uh, an intentional riot where people set fire to cars, police cars, or whatever, and damaged things and looted and, and vandalized. And I have no idea if they were told the scene was safe. But in any fire that you fight in public, there's going to be a crowd. Well, there was a there was plenty of space back, but this one guy breaks off and you see him coming, and he tries to pull the fire hose away from the fire the fire. You know, very quickly he walks past it, being an asshole jerks that tries to knock the fire hose away from the the firefighter which by the way there's only one firefighter on the hose i don't know if it's a big one or a little hose i have no idea what the protocols were but had there been two one uh, you know whatever i i've always been taught there should be two people on the hose but maybe it was a smaller hose i don't know anyway it did he didn't lose it and i i was thinking i wish he had lost that hose i wish the firefighter had lost the hose because the guy was on the rotational side which means had he popped that hose out of the hand, it would have popped right up, smashed him in the face. And that would have been karma, man. That would have been you dummy. And everybody was calling it out. I mean, everybody posting videos calling it out. It's like, what kind of asshole are you? I mean, if you have issues with the police, that is not the police. That is somebody just putting out a fire. And the firefighters looked at him and kept doing his job. I think you would have been justified to hose the guy down, to be honest with you. Was that scene safe? No, not totally because that dude came in. 
Where were the police officers? Where were the other firefighters watching how people walked around? The guy walked over two hoses. That is something you're never supposed to do. Nobody was watching the scene. That's the problem. They're probably fearful and watching out crowds and trying and firefighters were trying to be police in my guesstimation here and looking around at the crowds, looking for other things coming, not looking at their people, looking at the scene they're supposed to be protecting. That's my guesstimation. Something went wrong because this dude shouldn't have been allowed to walk where he walked. He should have been challenged before he got to that fire hose because in reality, had that fire hose bounced up at him in the face, like I wish it had, there would have been a lot. There, there would have been a lawsuit, whether or not they would have won. It, probably not, because he did it intentionally. But you know how law. See, that's the thing. The law is messed up, man. It's the system and our loopholes, and and we know it could easily go. Well, he walked up and he's like the host. There's no lawsuit here, or it could easily go. Well, firefighters are supposed to be stopping them on the scene, and they should have prevented him from doing that. Therefore, they're reliable. I'm not even getting on that hornet's nest right now. You can't trust the law. The Wendy's episode in Atlanta where that police officer got charged immediately within less than 24 hours by the corrupt DA who's already under investigation himself because the officer was white. That should prove to you you can't trust the law. Can you trust anything? No, you really can't. So let me give you some hope at the end of all this. What you can do is listen and talk to people. What you can do is treat every human being like a human being. What we can do as a society is calm down. Not every fight is our fight. Not every situation. That's why I won't really dive into the George Floyd stuff. That's why I really won't dive into the Wendy stuff. That's why I'm staying away from the city of Atlanta as a whole right now. Because there are issues there that need to be resolved. I love Terry Crews more today than ever before. Follow him on Twitter. Read what he is writing. And I'm going to quote Terry Crews right now. Is every white person evil or bad? No. Is every black person good? No. If we cannot come together, we cannot make a movement like black. Now I'm I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the quote. I wasn't expecting to do this, so I didn't have it pulled up. But I'm paraphrasing Terry Crews where he says, We cannot have a movement succeed like Black Lives Matter if we exclude everybody but our own color. It will not work. Basically, he's talking about standing together, coming together. That's what we can do. That's what we have to do. As EMS, police, and fire, as white, black, Hispanic, Asian, anything else, as trans, as gay, as straight, as human beings, we have to come together and compromise and talk to each other and, and come at it with how can I help you and how can you help me? And if we can't, if we don't need to help each other, we move on. But he ended his statement with as many death threats as he's gotten. And if you, for some reason, live under a rock, you don't know who Terry Cruz is. He is a prominent African-American actor saying all this stuff. Brooklyn Nine-Nine was one of his best, some of his best work, but he's done a lot of great stuff. He's a fun guy to watch. He's entertaining as an actor. And now with his statements on Twitter, I think he's a good person. And he has said, with all the death threats I've gotten because of my stance about coming together, and he put a space, he says, I will die on this hill. And that has been my point 
to everybody who wants to raise their voice, everybody who's afraid of EMS, everybody who is hateful in the world, who is scared in the world, who is angry, who is happy, who is racist, who is loving. What are you willing to give your life for? And in, since this is an EMS podcast, I'm going to come back down to with EMS. If you're not willing to give your life safely or put your life on the line in jeopardy for this job, and you heard my stance. You heard my stance about I'll leave a patient to die and run. So understand where I'm coming from when I say I understood why I left to do my job. There was a statistical potential for me to get hurt or killed in this shift. Was it probable? Nah, not really. Even working downtown Grady, which I didn't do. Even working downtown Atlanta, which I never did. It was not probable that I was going to get killed today or hurt today on the job. But was it possible? Yeah. It was always possible. I was willing to put my life on the line for it. If you ask yourself, truly ask yourself, in any stance that you're taking, I worked with a racist not that long ago. And had I, had, if I work with him again, he brings it up, this is exactly what I say to him. Are you willing to kill somebody of a different color because you hate them? Are you willing to die at the hands of somebody of another color because you have to protect your stuff from them? And if the answer is yes, and they're racist, I'm done. I, I'm not going to be around you because that means you're going to hurt me or you're going to put me in danger. But the answer probably, for what little I know of this gentleman, probably is no. Now, I mean, if I really pushed him, I really got him honestly talking to me, I imagine the answer is no. Well, then you need to go and, and deal with the issues that have given you this anger that you think is based on skin color. I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you it's coming from what other people have been hurt by and taught you or what you've been hurt by in the past, and you need to deal with your pain. Are you willing to lay your life down for love? Or are you just going to run your mouth? Are you willing? And that means be quiet. That means what do we do when we talk about scene safety? We look around, we observe, and with our understanding and our perspective, and that's all we have as human beings, with where we stand in the world right now, our understanding and perspective do we believe it is safe? Do we believe we can connect with this person? Do we believe we can do our job? Do we believe with the evidence that we have and our, our interpretation of that evidence? Do we believe we're doing the right thing? I'm going to tell you, anger and fear is never the way to act. I could go on for three hours on that one. But the hope is we can calm down. We can talk to each other. I live in a predominantly black neighborhood. I don't know if any of you listened to the, the I, I went and recorded the protest conversations that I had. And it's not the best audio because uh, we're out in public and, you know, how that is with traffic and stuff. It's the best I could do. I don't know how many of you listened. But I there was assumptions made because I was white. I wouldn't understand. But the people talking to me, they didn't live under the median income level. They actually lived above the median income level, which I don't. 
they didn't live in poor neighborhoods, which I do. They don't live in black neighborhoods, which I do. Am I unsafe in my neighborhood? Absolutely not. Because here's the thing. We live and let live in this neighborhood. That's an unwritten rule. And when somebody breaks that unwritten rule, which has happened, I've been here over five years now, when that that's happened more than once, when somebody breaks an unwritten rule of we live and let live, when your issues, whatever you're doing, moves from your bubble into your neighbor's bubble, that my right stop at the end of my nose mentality, that's when this neighborhood will call the police in a heartbeat. We don't call the police on little stuff. You're sitting there yelling and screaming in your yard. We don't call the police on you. You might call the police on some on on each other, but we don't we don't do that. Gun comes out, we call the police. Doesn't matter what color you are. There's a dozen calls to go to the police. So when that happens, you break into your neighbor's house, we call the police. When you go for, we live and let live, and that's what we've gotten away from, at least in the U.S. as a society. We've gotten into it is my way right away. I have the right. You really don't have the right to think what you think and to say what you say and to do what you do. You're just left alone. And that's a general you. That's white, black, Asian. I don't care. But the hope is you get to have an inner, deal with your own issues. Live with your family. Deal with your bubble. Deal with your area of living. And know that when you interact with other people, if you treat them like human beings, I'm telling you from professional and personal experience as a paramedic, when you start treating somebody like a human being, you can defuse the situation like a master. You can have no fear of actual, any kind of your safety being jeopardized. And you can go home in the morning. Whatever that means to you. I love people. I'm very upset with with the world today and how things are. And I think it's going to get a whole lot worse before it can get better. And I went in with the statement I made. When nobody, and that means you, that means me, when nobody is listening, prepare for war. And we are starting to see the early stages of war happen in many of our cities, especially the city that I love, the city of Atlanta. Let's come together, let's listen, and let's make things better. Thank you, Carrie, for sending in this email that was sent to Charles, as you see on the screen here, Charles at GAIEMS.com. I believe that's also in the show notes. If you listen to this, anchor.fm slash EMS Underground is where you can find the podcast. You can find, if you're on the podcast, you can find this video on youtube.com slash Georgia Institute of EMS. And on Facebook is where I record it live with video to interact with an audience. You can watch it live on Wednesdays and it varies the time. It does. It just does. So like and follow the page to get the live notification, but it does vary, but you can, you can, uh, see it live on Wednesdays on facebook.com slash Georgia Institute of EMS. I'll be back next week with more stuff. I love getting these emails, ask the questions, give me your thoughts. Tell me I'm wrong. Let's have a discussion. And if you want to come on, and be a part of it and have a live discussion, email me that as well, and I'll make it happen. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And, hey, I haven't mentioned this in a while. If you want to support what I do here, patreon.com slash EMS Underground. I think that's right. I'll have to check it. Check the show notes. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. I'm going to be out of here. 